I, I'm not an expert on uh, useless trivia. I just did a lot of work on coming up. I have a lot of other questions. They're pretty good. We'll have to do that again sometime because uh, a lot of other really good questions too. Kevin kind of skipped around. I realize there's so many people who just cannot go by line by line. You just can't do it. Can't do 1 through 20, can you? Just you can't do it, Kevin. You can't do it. 21 was how it learned. What was 21? Oh, yeah. The Astro one was pretty good. Yeah, I picked and uh, choose. I kind of went through a whole bunch of different useless trivia, a whole bunch of different websites. There's a lot of really interesting things out there. You know, if you did know all that useless trivia, people would be thinking you're so smart. And it's like, really, you're not. It's just, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know why, but every time I looked at those Alaska pictures for Empty Tank, all I kept picturing and thinking about was, um, did you guys ever watch Ice Road Truckers? I mean, I know that was like north, you know, but uh, I don't know why. That show just really disappointed me. Because I just expected there to be so much more excitement, and there never was. They always, like, every week hyped it, like, next week, somebody cracks through the ice. And you find out it was, like, two years ago. Nobody cracked through the ice. There was nothing happened. Nothing happened ever. I mean, I watched the whole entire season. I was so disappointed. I'm like, I will never watch that again, because that was all hype. I, did you guys watch the part, the, the reality? See, I told you I love reality television. I love it. Um, did you guys watch the one where they cut down trees? That was good. There was some really good stuff where they cut the guys that cut down trees and did forestry. That was pretty good because those guys really honestly have to be on the ball because those things would come up and, you know, slam right next to them, these great big huge uh, logs and stuff. That was pretty interesting. Love, love reality shows. I don't know why. Um, then I kind of like watched this fake reality show. The other show I just love is Office. Love The Office. Love that. If you guys haven't seen The Office, it's pretty good. Anyway, I'm going to continue talking in, uh, this week about vision and continue with what I was talking about last week. I told you I got done last week and uh, basically got through the first page. I don't think I've ever done that before. Usually I kind of you know, try to get through a little bit more, but um, tonight I'm going to continue on with uh, the way I see it and talking about vision. I talked to you two weeks ago about really what I wanted you to understand about what CYM's vision is. And uh, I talked to somebody this week, and I was saying how, what, what, you know, explaining even our calendar, we had, you know, CYM. We, we used to put CYM all over everything, and, you know, they kind of just put youth down. And I said, you know, I kind of miss the days of it saying CYM because people that we've started doing this, you know, seven, about seven years ago, we really kind of, like, held on to the name CYM. It meant a lot, you know, Chosen Youth Ministries. And, of course, you know, you can't say Chosen Youth Ministries every time. It's like, I'm going to go up to Chosen Youth Ministries. And, you know, Chosen Youth Ministries, you know, after a while, you're going to have to find a way to shorten that a little bit. So, of course, we called it CYM, and it stuck. And people really, a lot of the times, uh, good and bad, they know us <laughs> at CYM. There's a lot of people that, you know, would notice, like, the sweatshirts and like, oh, you're that youth ministry CYM, right? Yep. And uh, don't really understand what it actually stood for. But I want you to understand... Starting out this year, what CYM stands for, I told you about what vision we have that we really are hoping this year that you guys would understand that this isn't something that I want you to be a spectator in, but I want you to be a participant in. I want you to understand that this ministry exists for you. It's not for you just to sit back and watch and be entertained, but it's you to understand that you have a mission and you have a call. And that's where the other thing came in. We talked about what CYM stands for is that choose your mission. Who it is that you're going to try to reach, who it is that you can connect with in your life and really show um, what true, real, genuine Christianity is. Because there's a lot of people out there that are living very fake, false 
mediocre Christian lives. And that's not what God intended. It's what people have made of it, but it's not at all what God intended us to live like. So I've been trying to explain this to you. And I kind of decided last week I was going to explain to you this idea of what buying into someone's vision is all about. I told you that to truly buy into the vision that CYM has, to do that, you would have to really truly buy into me as your leader, to understand who it is that I am, so that you could back me up, that you could stand beside me and say, yeah, that's who I want, that's what I want to do, I want to follow that. And uh, just like no different than our faith, you know, we're not going to truly follow after Jesus Christ if we don't buy into him as our leader. We're supposed to be his followers, and that means he's going to lead us, and he's going to take us on the right path. And if we don't buy into him as our true Savior and uh, life, then we're not going to be able to succeed. We're not going to truly follow him. We're not going to be the people that he called us to be. And uh, so it's important for you to buy into who I am. Ultimately, more, way more important. It's more important that you follow and you buy into Jesus Christ. But up here, that's why I kind of explained to you last week, I kind of went through and told you a little bit about my testimony. And I think it's good to hear about people's testimonies because God's word actually says sometimes you might have nothing else to say to somebody. You might not have any scripture references. I've said many, many times, don't ever get hung up on that because that really doesn't matter one bit. You don't have to know scripture references and, well, this is this in the Bible. Because you know what? In the old days, they just talked about what God's word said. They didn't have to know what each scripture was and, and all this different stuff. But, you know, the thing is, your testimony ultimately will have a great effect someday when you want to talk to somebody and say, you know what faith means to you, what Jesus means to you, what following after him means to you. What's really going to have an effect on people is the idea that your life may be changed, hopefully changed, that you recognize that there was a difference in who you are now compared to who you were then. And that's why I explained to you that, that, um, that idea of what I came from. You know, like I said, a, a life not so great. I always joke around and tell people all the time, I, I, I could definitely be on Oprah. I mean, you guys heard it. That's <laughs> what it was. I could be on Oprah's show all the time, and they'd be like, this, this chick's had a weird life. And I have. Crazy weird life. And uh, there's lots of weird stuff you guys don't know about me. Like, do you guys know? I should say this as a true false someday, but I'll tell you anyway. Did you guys know the kind of animals I had growing up as pets? I had weird pets. I had a monkey. I had a spider monkey. Yes. And I'm going to tell you, everybody says they want one. They're scary. You don't want one. I'm telling you, they're, you don't want one. I had a crow. I had a crow as a pet. A squirrel. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We had the weirdest pets in the whole wide world. And I really don't know why we had these weird pets, but we did. I don't know what this is about. But I remember, like, there's a picture of, like, me sitting there with a crow on my arm, like, when I'm, like, four, like, scared to death of a crow. And I think that's why, honest to God, I'm still scared to death of birds today. I, get, I really, I get freaked out completely because birds are always one of those things they always say that, you know, I'll walk into a pet store and they'll be like, oh, these birds, you know, they won't hurt anything. They won't come at you. They're fine. And the pet shop, before long, within two, three minutes, will say, you know, I've never seen them act like that before. But they will run. Why? Come at me. And they'll be like all in my hair. And I'm like, I know. It looks like a nest. I think that's why they're always going for it. But, um. Yeah, for some reason, birds just completely freak me out, and I think it was just the childhood memories or something. But I have a lot of weird stories, a lot of weird things that happened to me as a kid and, and a lot of bizarre life experiences. 
But we're talking about vision, and I say that to you, like I say, just to really know who I am. Because a lot of times I think you see me up here and you kind of hear me talk, and you're like, you know, yeah, yeah, she drones, drones on for a long time and talks a lot. And if you don't get to know me, <laughs> some of the little crazy things about me, hopefully you'll get to know me a little more. But we're talking about vision. Uh, it says here, a clear vision along with the courage to follow through dramatically increases your chances of coming to the end of your life, looking back with a deep satisfaction and thinking that I did it that I succeeded, that I finished well, that my life actually counted. Hopefully that's what each one of you will do someday. But you're going to be able to look back on your life, hopefully when you're a real old person, hopefully you will live a long, happy life, and you're going to be able to look on your life and think, wow, my life really made a difference. And uh, the thing is, though, without clear vision of where your life is headed, chances are you'll probably get tripped up along the way. and You may not make as many good choices as you would have liked to have done or maybe what you should have done. And some of you may even get to the end of your life and you may think, did it even matter at all? What I, what I did, who I am, did it even matter? You know, I think that it's, it has to be a really sad existence to think of getting to your end of your life and thinking that you made no difference whatsoever. You know, because we all come into contact with people on a daily basis. And whether or not we really truly speak in their life, at some point, don't we think we have some sort of influence, some sort of effect on them? We hope that we can do something, you know? If you talk about vision, they always talk about the fact that in the Bible that if you don't um, give people vision, that they'll perish, that they'll fall apart, that they won't make it in life. And I really think that's so true because vision gives you self-worth. You know, if I were to go give a whole bunch of people and say, hey, here's some bags, here's some, some fabric bags, you know, here, take this sand and go get shovels and start filling these, filling these sandbags up, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of work, and, you know, I really don't see the need in that. What's the point? You know, I'm, so I'm just filling bags. But if you knew that it was the only thing that was going to work to stop from the water, the, to flood your whole entire town, or your house specifically, your own home, that was going to keep the water away from it, you would see the worth in it. You would see that that has much more worth. Just the idea of doing the job doesn't seem that big. But if you think about it in terms of the fact that this is going to save your home, you're going to be excited. You're going to feel like you have something to really accomplish. And that's what vision is. Vision just gives us this idea that what we're doing in our life really makes a difference, that it matters. And uh, in our faith, there's nothing more important. I know right now you may not get that. You may look at your faith and think, well, it's what I do on Sunday. It's no big deal. It's not. That's because you really haven't understood what Jesus is about yet. Because when you truly understand what he is and what he's done for you, you start to understand that your whole life makes or breaks your faith. I mean, it's, that's it. It's the whole entire thing is together, nothing separate. So like I told you before, <clears throat> I kind of explained my life, and I tried to explain to you my testimony of, of finally really understanding who Jesus is, and it, it took me a long, long time, like I say, 28 years old. Um, hopefully you guys will find Jesus way sooner than that and won't make as many choices or dumb decisions as I did. Made a lot of dumb decisions. And I always am amazed, you know, when people will talk about, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I'm still married to, you know, the guy I started to like when I was like 13 years old. The only reason why me and John are still married is because of Jesus. I, I, I'm 100% convinced we'd have been divorced if it wasn't for the fact that I, I really got my life figured out, my faith figured out. And really, um, seven years later, he got it figured out. But when I met Jesus, it changed my life. It really did change my life, and it made everything come into focus. It made it all worthwhile. Everything that led up to that point, it wasn't just feeling sandbags. I realized that all of it was preparation 
for what my life really was going to entail, the, the idea of being able to reach people and talk to people. And, and I tell you all the time, I would never have thought I would ever stand in front of people and give, you know, speech or talk. I'm going to tell you, when I went and did speech class, petrified, petrified, nervous wreck. I was, I mean, honestly, if you could probably go back to Mr. Schroeder up at Mendota High School and you talk to him, he'd be like, she was the C at best, you know, C student, and uh, didn't do well with it. I was never confident, didn't really want to go talk to people, but you know what, it was all preparation, and there's something different when you start to talk about things that you really understand that you love. Again, that's what I talked to you about a couple weeks ago. That passion, I think, covers a multitude of sins. It's the fact that I really, really, truly love Jesus that I can speak to you about it and hopefully reach you about it. But, you know, because of meeting him, I was changed. And uh, I made this choice about 16 years ago. And like I said, I would never, ever look back. I would, I would never turn it away. You know, you sing those songs about, um, you know, Lord, you are more beautiful, you know, than silver, more beautiful than gold, better than riches. And it is. It is. It's so much better than what anything else could be offered up to me. 14 days ago, actually 21 days ago, I take it back, it was two weeks ago, or uh, three weeks ago, that I celebrated my 44th birth, uh, birthday. And uh, about 24 days from now, I'm going to celebrate my 16th spiritual birthday. That's the day I got saved. It was February 28, 1993. And uh, I can tell you that the day of February 28th means much, much more to me than January 14th does. Because the thing is, with our spiritual selves, when I was born... All that did was lead me to death because the thing is, you know what, basically you're born and from the minute you're born, you start to die. But what's so interesting about your spiritual birthday when you accept Jesus as your Savior is from that day on, you continually go to life because you know that you're never going to go into that path of just death anymore. I mean, yes, there's going to be a spiritual, I mean a physical death, but the spiritual self is going to move on. It's going to continue on. So my, my February 28th birthday, I love it. I love that day. And I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever change it. I mean, I just look at that day and I think it meant so much to me. Um, I know it was real for me because I've seen my, my whole self change. I know who I was. I, people that know me know I don't even like to look back at video pictures of when I was younger because I look at it and I think that wasn't the person I am. That's not who I am today. And I almost hate to even look back at some of those pictures and videos because I just think, man, my life was so different then and so much more unhappy and uh, I know the change he made in me, and I know the change he made in my kid's life, and, and also my husband's, and, and so many people that have come in here. I've watched Jesus make a difference in their lives. You know, them walk in and not get it, not understand everything about God, not get everything, and truly, we're never going to understand everything about God. But, you know, you start to see the lights come on. You start to see that they really understand that it's not just about this, you know, yeah, I'm a G- I, f- I follow Jesus, but it's actually living that life and really, truly seeking after it. You know, the thing is, it's, it's not an easy life. I tell you that all the time. Um, those of you who are true followers of Christ, have you run into some tough times? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of times you're going to fight with the people that you love the most for your faith. You're going to fight with your family members. You're going to fight with the people that you truly care about uh, on this planet so much, but you don't, you have fights with them because they don't quite understand maybe where you're coming from or how you feel about your faith. So we know 
that what we do when we follow after Christ, it has a great meaning. It's not just something that I've done and they just can pretend like it didn't matter. I know that it made all the difference in my life. There's a quote, and it says, the value we place on something is shown by what punishment or pain that we're willing to go through for it. You know, in our faith, we have to be willing to go through a lot of pain and punishment for it because it really does matter. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, that's how I see it. That's how I see it. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. It matters so much. But the thing is, I can say that from my perspective. I can say that for me, this is what I feel because I know what it's done for me. But unfortunately, the thing is, you can't force anybody to believe in what you believe. Everybody has their own choice, their own idea of what they want to do with their lives, how they want to follow after God, how, if they want to follow after God, and the ways of Jesus, or if you were going to look at this idea of that, you know, you can follow other gods. Everybody has that choice to make on their own. There's a saying that says that um, God has no grandchildren. And I think that's really important for us to realize because it doesn't matter what your parents believe. It doesn't matter what your friends believe. It doesn't matter anything like that. It has to be what you specifically yourself believe that will make the difference. You can't get to heaven through a friend. You can't get to heaven through your mom and your dad or your grandma or your grandpa. It doesn't work. It has to be your own belief that will make the difference. So that's how I see it. And that's how I see it because that's what I read in God's Word. But the thing you have to ask yourself tonight because of that is, how is your vision? What are you seeing? How do you see it? How do you see your faith mattering in your life? Do you even know who Jesus is? Do you really know him? Because the thing is, you know what, there's a lot of people that say that they know who Jesus is, but they really don't. They really don't get it. If you would have talked to me years ago and asked me what Jesus was all about, I would have been giving you a whole different answer than I can give you today. You know, the thing is, you have to understand that Jesus died for you. But you also have to understand who you are because of it or because you did or didn't believe it. Who are you? You know, today, right now, where you sit, who are you? How do you see life? It's important for you to think these things through because I, I keep telling you, and I really think it's one of those things that God just won't let me get by thinking about doing this job, is... You have to think long-term. You have to think in your life, where are you going to end up? Because someday we're going to get to the end of the line. You're going to have an idea. It's going to all come back to you, what, what, what you believed, if it made a difference, if it made a difference at all. So you have to ask yourself if you even have eyes to see in this thing called faith. Do you have faith? Do you even have eyes that can even see the, the God that we're following after? Um, can I even volunteer? And yes, I'm going to blindfold you. So, um, Ellie. Because I think Ellie will be honest with me. I don't think she'll cheat. She won't cheat on me. She won't cheat. Maybe. <laughs> you won't cheat. There. I was going to joke around and say something. Close your eyes. Because if you can't, keep your eyes open. See? It doesn't work. I'm like, you can't keep your eyes open and put a blindfold on anyway. It would really hurt. That'd be painful. That would be painful, and that would cause a lot of tears. Now, can you see? No, my eyes are closed. Okay. Well, don't look down, and don't try to speak and, and cheat. Okay. Now, I'm going to put a whole bunch of stuff in your way all over the place, okay? Yeah, I'm just going to put a whole bunch of stuff all on the ground and around things and stuff like that around here, and 
You're going to try to walk and make an obstacle course. You're going to go through here. Okay, so start walking. Am I allowed to kick things? Yep, you can kick things. Where am I going? Just keep walking. Keep walking. Be careful. What? Oh, be careful. Okay, go to the right. Go to the right. Go to the right? Go to the right. Go to the right. Okay, go left. Okay, now keep heading back. Go out to the doors. The doors? Yeah, go out the doors. See if you can make it. We'll see if you can do it. Ooh, she's good. She's good. She's <laughs> spent a lot of time in here. I think you have. She did good. She did good. Good job. All right, you can take your blindfold off. She did pretty good. Now, I know. We were just joking with you. I was just playing with the games with you. See, I was really hoping you'd do one of these things like this, you know, really make it obvious, but you didn't do it. You didn't fall for my trick. But you're going to set it right here. But, you know, the thing is with, um, with our faith, if you are blind, if you're not able to see anything, you know, you're not going to know where it is that you're going. And what's going to happen is you are going to do what she did. You're going to cautiously wander. You know, the thing is you're going to go in a direction. You're going to end up being on a trail, but you're going to cautiously do it. You're going to always feel kind of scared, a little bit cautious about what it is that you're going to do. And it's going to affect everything it is that you're going to do. Second Corinthians 4 in the message translation says, if our message is obscured to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these other people are looking or going the wrong way and refuse to give it serious attention. All they have eyes for is a fashionable God of darkness. They think that he can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing the truth that they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ, who gives the best picture of God that we'll ever get. It is the best picture of God that you're ever going to get. Jesus is ultimately the best picture of the God that you are going to ultimately follow. That's why he sent his son to come and live on this earth and be like us. So without Jesus, you're basically going to wander aimlessly in this life. You're not going to make it. You're going to have no real purpose. You're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to make missteps, and you're going to do a lot of things wrong in your life, and you're going to end up in a wrong place without having him. You know, the thing is, though, also, you know, you, you can not be blind, but you can say that you have faith but not really truly get who Jesus is. And because of that, you know, you can maybe pick up something that could use vision to be better. You know, like if I, if I picked up the binoculars... And if I had the binoculars here, you know, the thing is binoculars to see far away, right? To see all these cute people. But what happens if I look this way? Don't work, does it? You have to use the right thing the right way to be able to make it. You know, if I look at them the wrong way, you can look at seeing things and see what should be, appear to be, you know, bigger, smaller. And some things you look at the other way, it's like, oh, that comes right up and comes forward and a lot bigger than it really truly is you know far away if you look at something all of a sudden it comes so close and you feel like it's right there you know how much of those rear view mirrors you know ever look at those when you're driving you know those objects and mirror are closer than they appear <laughs> so that's one of those things you know um so we have to have the right prescription it can't just be that we have faith in anything it has to be faith in jesus christ that will give us the true true prescription the true real real um prescription to make it Obviously, I tell you all the time I'm blind is bad. Blind is bad. I hate wearing my glasses up here because for so, I have been at our, uh, bifocals, and these lights just shine, and they mess me up. Kristen, come here for a second. Come on. I want to show you something else here. Now, obviously, 
I want Kristen to see here. Let's try this. These are glasses. They should help me see, right? Just because they're glasses. Try them. That'll freak you out. And see, that really isn't... It, well, yeah, pretty weird. Look up and down in the lens because their bifocals are really... They mess with you bad. So you have glasses on. There's no difference. She has glasses. She both see. See, still has to be the right prescription. Still has to be the right prescription for our eyes specifically to make it. You know, these aren't going to work. You know, I can't even see what's going on here at all. And I feel really dizzy. <laughs> and I don't need any help because I'm blind and I'm dizzy as it is. So we don't need any help there. But the thing is, you know, following after Jesus, it has to be really, truly real. It has to be the right prescription for you to be able to see things in the way you're supposed to. It has to be um, the right prescription for me. I'm nearsighted. I can't see far away. You know, but also what's really bad is, like I say, what happens when you're in your 40s is all of a sudden you can't see far away, but then you can't see up close. So you're kind of like, which one? I don't know what even to do no more. So, you know, some people, though, who have faith are really become nearsighted. And they only see uh, clearly what's up close, but not far away. They can only see what's really right next to them. And, you know, if you can only see what's right before your eyes and you don't look to the future and you don't see where your life could be headed out, like what I'm trying to explain to you, you're going to make a lot of poor choices. You're going to look back and you're going to think, wow, that was really stupid. But, you know, have the opinion of looking farther ahead and see, you know, if I take this choice, if I make this decision in my life, where is it ultimately going to lead me? You know, am I going to make a, a poor choice? Am I going to regret Everything. So it has to be the right prescription. People who are farsighted in their faith, they can see things at a distance clearly, but those things that are up close are unclear. And uh, those are the people who think that someday I'll follow after Jesus. Someday. Right now it's just too much fun. I don't want to do it now. You know, I want to just wait. I want to take it easy. You know, I'll live life to its fullest. And, and uh, the thing is they don't want to take out their li- time out of their lives to make it, you know, the decision and, and make it really important in their lives right now and and make it personal right now and it's what you really need to do if you're going to make the right choice you know so the way i see it is um truly to make it in our faith that we have to be able to really truly not be blind we have to know who it is the god that we're trying to serve we also have to see things in both nearsighted and farsighted we have to be able to see things up close and far away and look at our lives and really make good decisions for ourselves you can't make it in your life if you're going to constantly just, you know, trust that you're going to just live by a whim and, and not really apply your faith. So to do this, so we really have the three different ways that we need to think about in our faith. And, and one is the way we see who God is. A lot of you guys don't really understand who God is. And, and how you see him makes all the difference. I, I tell you all the time, people have this misconception a lot of times that Jesus is a baby. We all know we just got through the Christmas season. You know, everybody thinks about Jesus as being this little helpless infant. And uh, a lot of people like to think of him that way because then they think they can kind of manipulate and control. And if we think of him as a baby, then we think we have some sort of power. You know, maybe like we can control things. And, and then we have this idea of people a lot of times will look at God and they'll think of him as being this old man in the sky. You know, and hopefully he's deaf and dumb and doesn't pay attention to three quarters of what we're doing because we know we're not living right. So that's the other idea way we look at God. 
A lot of times they look at Jesus. I told you last week, a lot of times people will look at Jesus as that he's still on the cross, helpless, held up. And, and we know that that's not true. If you read God's word, you realize that Jesus died. And when he died, he rose. And he's sitting right now at the right hand of the Father. He's not on a cross no longer. He's, he's there up in heaven. So you have to have a vision of really who God is, how you think of God, how you think of him in your mind. When you see him in your mind, will make all the difference to your faith whether or not you're going to succeed and where you're going to end up ultimately in your life. If you're blind, you know, you're not going to make it very far. You know, there's going to be some of those people who really will have to be uh, a baby forever. You know, they don't want to grow up. I think that's what the majority of the people in churches today are. You know, they're, they're basically needing a nanny all the time to baby them and, and tell them what God's word says because they don't pick it up and read it for themselves. They always want the bedtime story, you know. Tell me a story. And that's it. But, you know, like I say, I can sit up here and tell you what God's word says, but ultimately you need to read it for yourself to make it and to succeed in your faith. You're going to have to have that understanding yourself. Jesus, I told you, is God's word. He says that. He makes it clear. The Bible is not just the Bible. The Bible says it is Jesus. He is the word of God. And he came and he is there for us to read and take in. And he gives us life. I told you that before and I mean it with all my heart. The only way you're going to succeed in this thing of faith is if you start to apply God's word. And that means read for yourself. I don't care. I tell you all the time. I don't care if you read a paragraph. Read something every day. It has to be because just like in the, uh, the days of, you know, the Israelites and traveling through, uh, you know, trying to get to the promised land, they had manna that was given to them, and they had to go out and collect it every single day. But they weren't allowed to just get a whole bunch and read a whole bunch one day and, and just store it up. They had to do it every single day, go out and get what they needed for that day. No different than God's word. We're supposed to pick up manna, take life into ourselves, and that's read God's word every single day. And that's going to give you clarity on who it is that God is. It's going to actually clear up who God is. When you realize that Jesus is an amazing God, you start to read God's word and you fall in love with him. You truly can fall in love with him because you realize that he is not this weak, helpless infant. And he's not this white-robed, hands-folded, you know, perfect you know, being as walked around like, every, like the media portrays him. You realize that here is a man that walked this earth relating to us. He was 100% God, 100% man, but he was angry. It shows that he actually went home. He made a whip, come back, and he straightened them all out in the uh, temple. He was a, he's not no mamby-pamby little baby God. He was a man. He was a man that you could appreciate and follow after. I told you last week, though, here was a God that would be willing to touch anybody. I don't care who they were, how untouchable society would say these people are, were, if they were unclean, if they had leprosy, if they had issues in their lives. It didn't matter because Jesus loved so much that he would go up and he'd touch anybody because he knew that people mattered. So you also see that he realized, you realize after you read God's word that he's as close to you as you desire. He says that he's a gentleman. If you don't want God in your life, he won't force himself on you. If you don't want him near you, he won't be near you. It's only when you say you want him close will he come close. And the closer you desire to be near him, the more close he's going to be in your life. That's how Jesus works. 
And that's why he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. See, the thing is, people all the time are like, well, I don't understand. I don't feel God. I I don't feel God like you do. Well, it's probably because you're not really seeking after him. You're not asking God to come close. Because if you start asking him to come close, he will promise to do that. He will come close to you and assure you that he's real. So you have to see that God is real. It can't be blind to the God that you serve. You can't be nearsighted either. He's not there just to pull you out of a fire every time you need it. Some people have this idea that that's what God's all about. You know, when life starts to go wrong, all we do is we call out to God and we ask for help. And that's not how our faith can work. We have to apply ourselves. We have to be faithful in what we believe at all times. It can't be just, and you know, you may have parents that honestly have modeled this behavior to you forever. That the only time they go to church is when their lives fall apart and then they go forward and they cry and they ask for help from people there and, and that's what they do. And that's not what God wants us to do in our faith. God wants us to be faithful and follow after him. Good times, bad times. It's not just when life goes wrong and everything falls apart that you go to God. Now, we see that happens all the time. People get in accidents, they start seeking after God or, or something goes wrong in their life and they start to seek after God. And I think part of that is God's using it you know, there's a lot of times, we just talked about this the other day, I was talking to uh, John and saying, you know, I do think that sometimes people have to get so completely fall down on their knees before they look up and realize that God's real. And I know that's what I had to do. It's sad because I didn't really find God on my own just as to seek after him. I really had to go through so much trouble and, and trials and depression to be able to find him. And uh, that's not what God intends and wants us to do. He wants to have an ongoing long-term relationship with you. He wants to really matter in your life. You also can't be farsighted in how you think of God. He's not distant. He's not far away. Like I said, he's not this old man in the sky. And the thing is what his word says is once we believe in him, once we accept him as our savior, he says he lives inside of us, that he lives inside of our heart. And uh, man, that's, that's close to know that he's right here. So we have, to, we have to understand, what is our perspective of what we think of as God? When we think of as Jesus, you know, do you even give it a thought? Do you ever stop and think, who is Jesus? What, what is the point? You know, I think a lot of times we just continue to go about our faith and we don't really think about these things. We don't think about who he is and, and what matters. You know, I know Shelby said she teaches Sunday school and over and over and over again, we'll talk about things like these kids know it. And I think what's happened a lot of you guys is if you've been raised in church specifically or maybe you have family members that talk about Christ, you hear about it all the time and you just tune it out. You tune out what you hear, what you want to hear, and half the time, you know, you don't even pay attention to what it is that you're, you're hearing. You just kind of, you know, miss three quarters of it. And you guys don't really understand what even Jesus is about. You hear about him. Especially, I won't tell you, nothing against Christian schools, but a lot of times if you go to Christian schools and you have to be forced Every day you have to read out your, read your Bible. A lot of times you look at it as more of it's a discipline or something you have to do. It's a joy to do it. And if you don't get that, I feel sorry for you because someday you're going to have to get that figured out because you're not farther along in the game just because you're picking up that Bible and reading it for discipline or because someone tells you to do it. It's because you want to do it because you desire to do it that he's going to make the difference in your life. Also, you need to see how it is that you see yourself. The way you see yourself is going to make a difference in your faith and how you're going to end up in the long, long run. If you're blind, if you see yourself as basically a helpless victim in life, you're just going to be playing into the hands of the, of the enemy. 
You know, if you're always a victim, if everything that happens in your life, you're like, well, you know, I can't win. My life, I'm never going to make it. You know, it's just like, I can't do this in life. You know, I, no matter what, my family, none of them's ever had money. I've never been able to do this, or my family's never been happy. I've got everybody in my family's gone through depression. You know, if you're always a victim, you can always be a victim. You're never going to make it. You know, I told you about my childhood. I have five sisters and three brothers. I'm just thankful that I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I did because, you know, I realized that there's a different choice for me. There was a different plan for me, I think, just really to seek after God and do something different. Sadly, a lot of my sisters and brothers really are just still victims. They're just unhappy. They're miserable. They're, they've never moved forward and really understood that there's so much more that God wanted for me. You know, the thing is, it's not, uh, when you become, you know, a believer, it's not just that you're a believer, but you really truly become a son and daughter of the king. I believe that with all my heart. Whereas I tell you, I, I, I always hungered for a dad. I wanted a dad that gave me love. And when I came to know who he was, I realized, I'm like, man, not just a dad, but I'm a daughter of the king. I mean, I'm a daughter of the guy, the man who created the heavens and the earth. That's amazing to me. That's what his word tells you. That's why it's important for you to read God's word because when you read that, you realize that's what he tells us. That's the truth. If you're nearsighted, the devil's going to keep you focused on your problems and you're never going to get the answers. You're going to continually just constantly living out problems in your life. You're going to be one problem after another after another. You know, the thing is, uh, if you were to hold your hand in front of your face, it's blurry. It's unfocused. The thing is, you have to get perspective sometimes. You have to get back enough look and see where your life's headed to kind of get it. If you're farsighted, you know, some people always have this idea in youth ministry that none of you guys are going to do anything now. Someday, someday you're going to do something great for God. And, you know, you hear it all the time in the churches. You're the church of the future. Gag me. I'm sorry, you're the, you're the church of today, right now. Right now, you're the church. I hate this mindset that you guys are always waiting for something. Look through the Bible, you realize that three-quarters of those people that did anything for God were young people. Mary was young. David was young. All these different people were young and did great and powerful things for God. What makes it so, what happened in our, our society that all of a sudden now you guys have to wait until you're 28, you're married, you have you know, a couple kids, and then you're going to start to serve God. No, you won't. Chances are you won't. Because they say statistically, that's so hard to say, um, that most people make a decision to follow Christ before they're 18. And a lot of times they don't afterwards. You know, so it's really important for you to understand that it's, you cannot wait. You can't wait until you're done playing sports. You can't wait until you're done having fun and dating and doing everything else. And you can't wait for that. It's not going to work. All you're going to do is have a whole bunch of garbage drug alongside of you. So you have to get serious about your faith today. You have to start doing something for God now. Um, God's word tells us. Again, God's word, now is the time. Always says today is the day of salvation. So when you like get this idea, you know, do I want to follow after God? Do I really want to? I don't know. He says today. Today is the day. Not tomorrow because we're not promised tomorrow. So we have to make that choice today. God looks at your heart all the time in your faith. It's not your age. It doesn't matter how old you are. 
It doesn't matter if you got wrinkles. It doesn't matter if you're a little shiny new baby. It's your age. I mean, it's your heart. It's not your age that's going to make the difference if you're a believer. So you have to know who God is. You have to know who you are. And you also have to know where it is that you're going to end up, where you're going to go. Uh, if you're blind, like I said, you're going to have no sense of direction. You're going to wander aimlessly. You're going to make a lot of dumb choices. And uh, the thing is, God does care for us, and he desires us to live a life of abundance. And I've always thought about it this way, that, you know, in our faith, I think ultimately some things are kind of decided for us. I think that God has a plan. I mean, I truly believe in it with all my heart after reading God's word that he says that he knitted, a, he knitted you together in your mother's womb. So he already knew who you were. He knew where you're going to do. He knew the path you're going to be on. He knew from start to finish because God doesn't think in terms of time like we do. So the thing is, he looks at everything in a different way. We look at things, you know, start, finish, right now, yesterday, and then tomorrow. That's not how God sees things. So ultimately, I think that he has a plan for you to be maybe starting out in point A, and you're going to end up in point B. But the problem is, because of choices, you're not going to have a direct path if you make a lot of stupid choices. You're going to go all over the place. You're going to go up and down. You're going to have baggage, man. You're going to be dragging limbs behind you, and <laughs> you're going to be just a mess. You may get to point B, but your life's going to be a mess. And ultimately, there's still no promise because he says our, our lives are but a vapor. So we have to be serious about our faith when we're supposed to be serious about it. So a nearsighted person, though, he's going to walk around real fast. He's going to look down at her feet, and he's not even going to look up and see where he's going. He's going to always just kind of keep him looking down, and that's it. Ultimately, that is going to trip you up. You have to be looking ahead for the bumps and the, you know, the divots, and that's what you need to be doing. You ever walk, you know, out in the dark, and all of a sudden you're walking, and, you know, there's a big hole, and you don't realize it, and that, that feeling of, like, trying to step on solid ground, there's nothing there, and you just kind of, like, boom fall down they still make fun of me to this day because we went canoe on a canoe trip uh we we're taking the canoe out of the um water and all this big big tall grass you know that was very deceiving looked like it was <laughs> fine of course it had to be me that walked ahead and uh all of a sudden i'm just walking and I just disappear i'm like big golly <laughs> letting them know to this day no matter what when we do something they yell out big golly and make fun of me because i disappeared and uh, they thought it was hilarious. But, you know, we have to know where it is that we're stepping. You're going to make a lot of missteps, and you're going to, if you're always looking just on at your feet and you're not looking ahead for where the, the rough patches are going to be, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to fall down. You know, in basketball, one of the things that they teach you really early on is how to dribble, dribble a ball without looking at it. To be a successful basketball player, you have to be able to dribble and not watch, not sit there like this the whole entire time. Because you have to be watching where it is that you're going, and you have to be watching the fact that the, there's the opponent coming at you trying to take it out of your hands every time you turn around. So you have to be able to do two things at once. You're going to have to be able to do that. You know, I told you, the, the children of Israel, man, they wandered for 40 years. What was supposed to take them 40 days took 40 years because if they weren't looking in the right direction. They weren't paying attention to the right things. And everyone was basically nearsighted. All they could see was that there were giants. You know, there's people that were sent out to look at things, to pay attention and, and scout out to see what this land looked like. And there's certain people looked in the binoculars, you know, and they saw 
what they thought were just normal men, they saw giants out of fear. And you're going to be tripped up out of fear if you don't look in the right way. Like I say, farsighted person, man, man, those are those people who are always going to think you have all the time in the world. You know, they're the, I'll do it tomorrow crowd. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't need to do it today. You know, I don't need to do this whole thing with faith. You know, I can just take it easy, kick back, and live life, and, you know. Did you guys know that that saying, eat, drink, and be merry, comes from the Bible? It does. You know, people are always like, there's this, you know, let's, all we want to do is eat, drink, and be merry. It's like, that's what God says from the Bible, and he says, those people were on a path of destruction because that's not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to have this mindset that we can do whatever it is and just still make it. We have to be working on our faith, and we have to be working hard at it. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 in the message says, You lazy fool, look at the ant, watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you start to get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this, you can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty, your permanent house guest. Start doing something with your life. There's times, I, I will tell you, I, I'm, I don't, I really will never understand people that sleep away the day. I won't. I just don't get it. I never slept like that when I was a kid. I always had work to do. I, maybe because of being, you know, who I was raised, my sister raised me and I was seven years old. I don't care where I went. If I went and stayed over a friend's house, I had to be home at 7.30 the next morning to vacuum and dust and clean. Didn't matter when. I always had work to do. People always had me doing work. It was always my job to weed the garden. It was my job. I had to get it done. You know what? But now I'm thankful because my sister and my brother-in-law, they actually taught me a lot of hard work and priorities about what needed to be done first. To this day, my brother-in-law still will come over to my house. He's like, man, your garden looks good. You never have any weeds. I'm like, yep, I know. I'm, I'm happy about that. I love the fact that my garden looks nice, you know? I like the fact that it looks decent and it's not full of weeds. Good work ethic is important. People that just sleep every day, waste the time. God's word says it's a vapor. Why are we sleeping it away? We do nothing with it all the time. It's time to get busy, time to get focused, time to get doing something, especially God help you if you say that you're a believer. If you're a believer and all you're doing is sleeping, he's not pleased with you. He's telling you to get busy doing something with it. Because the thing is, what's really amazing, I was thinking about this actually yesterday morning when I was getting ready, you know. I, I really do. I think about God all the time. I think about Jesus all the time. I think about his word all the time. I was thinking about how John the Baptist, you know, he basically walked around and he cried out to people and said, repent of your sins, prepare the way for the Savior. You know, to clear out the dirt, clear out the dust, clear out the mess in your hearts, to prepare and get ready for when Jesus comes lives inside your heart. You know, that's what's amazing about it. But I was thinking, you know what, we're, our job now, our job today, we're, yes, we need to tell them to repent, but our job today is to explain to people that, hey, it's time to get busy and understand Jesus is coming back. That's what they're not talking about. People, you're not hearing this in society. You're not hearing it in churches. Jesus says he's coming back. When he died and he went up to heaven and he sits at the hand of the right, right hand of the Father, he says he's coming back for his faithful followers, the people who are truly have vision and have a true understanding to see things in the way they're supposed to be seen. He's going to come back for those people. 
and we don't know when. So we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to have the vision clear. We have to have the mindset that we're going to do things in the way we're supposed to do them because I'm going. I'm going. No doubt about it. I'm going. You know, I'm not missing this trip. <laughs> I'm going on it. I'm for sure going to go when he, he, Jesus comes back for me. But God's word tells us to quit being lazy. Make this decision to start following Christ now. What makes you think you have all the time in the world? It's pride. Somehow your vision of who God is, in your mind, you think you have more control than he does. It's like, well, God's not going to let me die. Who says? There's people every day that die. Who's to say you're not gonna, that you're going to make it forever? You know, I hope you do. I hope you live till 85, 90 years old, and you're an old person someday, and I hope to God you're still serving God. You know, but the thing is, they're not promised that. None of us are. We always are surprised when we hear about some young person that dies. We're always surprised. It's like, wow, that's too bad. It's really too bad. But see, the thing is, you don't think about it in spiritual terms. You know, I look at it and think, wow, that's too bad. Because we have this idea, everybody dies, they go to heaven. That's not the case. That's not a promise of God. That's what society tells you. That's what the enemy wants you to believe because then you think that you don't have to do something different with your faith. It doesn't matter. That's not true. All all senior citizens don't die and go to heaven. There's nice old people that are going to die and go to hell. You know, and that's the way it is. So God's word tells us that we have to take the time now to follow Christ. And uh, you, you really can't think about it that you have the privilege of, of waiting. How many of us really get to make deathbed confessions? I don't think very many people get to. I really don't. Uh, chosen Youth Ministries. I'm going to basically end with what I started with. The whole point of what this exists for, yes, we might have fun. We might listen to music. We might laugh, might joke, might watch some sitcoms and have popcorn, which is all fun and, get, you know, fun to do that. But the thing is, it's not here for that. I'm not here up here as a babysitter for you guys just to spend some time. So your parents are doing all the hard work down there, right? They're learning about Jesus. And you guys are just up here, and I'm just supposed to keep you busy. I'm just supposed to keep you busy and keep you occupied so that they can come up and they can say, did you have fun tonight? That's not what CYM stands for. It never did, never will, not as long as I'm in charge of it. I'm not up here throwing no pizza parties. And I know people think that a lot of times. So people are like, oh, what do you do up there? I've had people ask me, honest to God, I've been here for seven years. And people will say to me, what, you know, well, what do you do all week? I write messages. I read God's word. I study it. I try to live a life of godliness to live for you, to model it for you. That's what I'm doing. And the thing is, it's an idea of people to think that you're just up here whiling away time so that when they come up, and I can tell the parents that think that, because they usually come up and they're like, you ready to go? Time to go. No one ever stops to think that you're going to hear anything from God right here and right now. That's, off- that's offensive to me. Because I truly believe that there's people that honestly need to understand, that people need to understand, parents need to understand, that you guys could have a specific call in your life. You could have a specific call to go into missions. You could have a, a, a complete epiphany, a moment of understanding who Jesus is today, right now. Their mindset and their idea of thinking that it was time to go home, they're really jipping you. They're jipping you out of what you could get from God. So Chosen Youth Ministries exists for us to reach people for Christ, to grow in our faith, to be challenged in our faith, to reach other friends, 
family members, this whole Illinois Valley area. It's up to you to reach them for Christ. And it's up to you whether or not you understand what CYM, Choose Your Mission, is all about. If you're going to take those people that you come into contact with on a daily basis and actually care enough about them when you look at them to see heaven or hell and what you're going to do about it. There's so many people that I know, they watch loved ones come and go and, and, and die, and I think, did you talk to them? If you say that you're a believer, did you talk to them? Did their life matter enough to you to say that it matters whether or not we follow after Christ? I, I really believe it's an important mission. I really do. And I, I, I love General Dwight Eisenhower. He has a quote here. And I, I, I actually look at this and I, I think about it. And I, for some reason, I have this real warrior mentality right now. I, I've gone through it. I kind of go through this back and forth. And do you remember a long time ago we taught um, message series? There's four different uh, people from the Bible, and one of them was Deborah from the Bible. Queen Bee Warrior. That's on my uh, desktop. That's up there on my desktop because I'm honestly thinking we need to get a warrior-like mentality that we're going to actually fight for this area and the people that we love. Dwight Eisenhower's uh, quote, it says, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened, and he will fight savagely. This world's going to throw a lot at you people. You better get a vision for where it is that you're headed, and you better get a vision and a clear vision, right prescriptions, looking through the right way, not blind, and you better figure out where it is that you're going to go because you are not going to make it otherwise. Someday, I told you last week, I hope to God I get phone calls from you guys that say, you know what, Deb, I didn't do it here, but I did. I did start to follow after God. I hope I can hear it from you sooner than later because what will happen, I know, because it's in God's word and it makes it clear that if you don't do it sooner than later, you might do it, but at what cost? Your kid's not following after God. Your kid's being a mess. Your own life, having three ex-husbands or ex-wives and, and numerous kids scattered, and you're trying to make all this child support and doing all these different things because, you know what, you don't know what you're doing. You can't hold on a job because your life is a mess. I'm going to tell you nothing will be better than following after Jesus Christ in your life. Nothing. Nothing is better. Absolutely nothing. I know without a doubt it's the best thing that happened to me. And I know without a doubt, regardless if you want to believe it or not, that it is the best choice you could ever make. And uh, regardless of what society says and political correctness says, there is no other path to heaven besides what Jesus Christ does for us. Jesus Christ is the only answer. I firmly believe it. I believe God's word. And I don't think that all these other paths are going to get you there at all. So I want to give you an opportunity. Like I told you last, last week, I told you about how... Um, uh, Moody, uh, that's what the Moody Bible Institute is, is named after, uh, he gave a, a message. He was a preacher. He gave a message, and uh, when he just, you know, he, he let everybody go when he heard the sirens and all these fire alarms, and he let them go without giving them an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior. And uh, it haunted him because he realized that a lot of those people that could have been in his audience that they could have been ones that could have accepted Jesus as their Savior because a lot of them never came back. They were in the Chicago fire and, and didn't make it. And so it always haunted him because, you know, I'm going to tell you, as a, as a person who's going to speak to you, who's going to be a minister of God, I'm responsible whether or not I tell you the truth. I have to answer to God someday for everything I tell you, good and bad. My stories, he might say, shut up. You, you should have shut up. 
you know. But the thing is, what I have to say makes a difference because I have to stand and I have to stand before God and say everything. And I have to be judged for it. But I really do want you to start thinking about your faith. Think long term. Think where you're ending up here. I watch people come in and out of here all the time. All the time. And I know not everybody's going to follow after God. I know that. I mean, I know it didn't work for me, but I'm going to tell you, don't get the idea that you have the privilege of someday being able to do it and being able to make this deathbed confession or someday you're going to start to serve him seriously and someday I'm going to start to read God's word and someday I'm going to do this and that because chances are you're going to just go farther away from God, not closer. I want to tell you that I'm going to be up here. It'll be loud. It'll be crazy. It'll be nuts. But come find me if you want to pray with me. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never done it, um, you can come up. I'll pray with you. It's not hard. Basically, it's just asking Jesus to come into my heart. I'm going to get rid of my sins. I'm going to change. And God, make you number one. And uh, that's all you have to do. Or do it at home. Do it at home. Call out to God. But let me know. Tell me that you did it. Let me know that you did it. Or even if you've been following, supposedly, following after God for years, but if you really are seriously making a commitment, let me know that you are seriously making a commitment and going to try to do some, some things different. So let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I just thank you, Father, that you um, are always doing a great thing, Lord, in us. And I just pray for each person that's here, Lord, that they would feel your presence, that they know that you're real. Lord, that they would truly get a vision and an idea of the God that you are, the God that loves them and desires to have a close relationship with them. And God, I just pray also, Lord God, that they would get a vision that you have created them to be um, true and faithful followers if they desire. They would just get that and desire that for themselves. And Lord, I just pray that they would understand that they are truly loved by you. And I just pray, Father, that they would get a vision of long-term thoughts of where their life's headed and really start to make some changes and, and head some things off at the past before they even get into an area that's just nothing but a mess. And God, I just thank you for everything that you're going to do tonight, Lord God, and just in the coming weeks for these people. And I just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming, guys.